Occasionally when I'm teaching at our Catholic school, I'll say something that causes me to think, huh, I didn't plan to say that, but it's not bad. I'll have to think about that more later. I'll share with you something like that that happened yesterday, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley. Thanks for joining me for this hour of on-air and online spiritual direction. Glad to have you with us. Yeah, so yesterday, in teaching my 5th and 6th graders, the topic of worship came up. We were talking about the first commandment, and I had them listing off all sorts of things that people worship other than God. Got some good answers, too. Food, video games, money. One astute young man even threw in themselves. Yes, I quickly said, people do oftentimes end up worshiping themselves. Next, I asked them, but who is the only one worthy of worship? And they all nailed that one. God, they all said together. Good. Okay, they're tracking. But then, thinking about the Eucharist, I asked the class, what about the Eucharist? Is it wrong to worship the Eucharist? And I got some mixed responses, which made me realize I had to emphasize yet again that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. So yes, the Holy Eucharist is Jesus. Jesus is God. So yes, we do worship the Eucharist. One student asked the question, but we don't worship it before the priest says the words of consecration, right? Absolutely right, I said. And then came words out of my mouth that made me pause in wonder as well. Here's what I said. Isn't the miracle of the altar amazing? In the holy sacrifice of the Mass, before the words of consecration, the bread and wine are there on the altar, and we would be condemned if we worshipped them. But after the words of consecration, they become Jesus, who would, we would be condemned if we did not worship. Now, there's nothing new or different from Catholic teaching here, but I just had never really considered it in quite that way before. I could feel my awe and wonder for the Holy Eucharist deepening even as the words came out of my mouth. Hey, thanks be to God. What a gift the Holy Eucharist is. And today on the show, we're talking about the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of our Christian life and all that it means to you as you endeavor to continue growing closer to the Lord. Let's say hello to our spiritual director for the day, Father Peter Arminio. Father Peter is a priest of Opus Dei and a widely sought speaker in his ministry of preaching retreats and days of recollection. Father Peter, welcome back to The Inner Life. Great to be back, Pat. Uh, great audience. Perfect topic, yeah. literally. Yeah. So I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> perfect indeed. Yeah, perfect for the season of Lent, perfect for the year exactly. of the National Eucharistic Revival and the upcoming National Eucharistic Congress. We'll talk about exactly. that too on the show. But um, So Source and Summit, That's I mean, that's what we always hear in, in conjunction with the Eucharist. What is What makes the Eucharist the source and the summit of our Christian life? All right, well... The Eucharist, like all the sacraments, but in a, t a complete and total way, the Eucharist is all about true presence from two perspectives, two sides of the same coin. The Mass, the, the Eucharist as a sacrifice, it's a theological term, 
the Eucharist as a sacrifice, mm-hmm. is the true presence of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why after the consecration, the priest proclaims, this is the mystery of faith, or mystery of faith, because there's no way we could comprehend it. We believe it. We could believe it more. We could go deeper into it, but we'll never comprehend it, at least in this life. And as Thomas Aquinas says, that faith and reason cannot contradict each other. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a contradiction. Well, before I forget, then there's the Eucharist as a sacrament, which is the true presence of the resurrected Christ. When we adore him in the tabernacle, when we receive him in communion, uh, from that perspective, we're seeing the true presence of the resurrected Jesus. So that's Mm -hmm. the Eucharist as sacrament. But to go back to Eucharist as sacrifice, um, historically, the passion and death and resurrection occurred 2,000 plus years ago. Why we, why do we say it's repeated? Well, we're not saying it's repeated. Mm. We're not saying it's repeated. It's not repeated. Technically, we're not even saying it's reenacted. I think the Lord will give us a little bit of a pass to say that because we need some words to describe the mystery. I mean, literally, it's what the catechism says, and it's the catechism says it's represented, but it's not represented as we would write it down, it's R-E dash presented. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that Eucharist, that, that sacrifice of Jesus in a sacramental way, in other words, an invisible way, in a real way, but in a spiritual way, uh, not in a physical way, occurs every time, whether the priest is a saint, whether the priest is in sin, whether the priest is distracted. If he says those words of consecration, that paschal mystery, death, resurrection of Jesus, comes to the present moment. And to the degree that I connect with that sacrifice, I'm transformed. The Eucharist is also about transformation, conversion and transformation. Mm-hmm. What would be, you know, the quick version to explain this so it doesn't contradict reason? Uh, the church taught from day one, or at least when it officially taught about the Eucharist, that it's an unbloody sacrifice. Okay, that's reasonable. The linchpin here is the man on the cross is not a human person. He's a man. He's totally human. If you want, you can say he's a human being, but that's not philosophically accurate. But let's let's say that. But he's not a human person. He's only a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature. So what, what does that have to do with the Eucharist? Well, Jesus as God or God the Son transcends space and time and quantity, transcends it. And therefore, there's an eternity towards, there's an eternity associated with Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, And he rigged up a way, I'm sorry for the poor vocabulary, to bring that sacrifice to the present moment. So that's what we believe is Eucharistic sacrifice. And a sacrament, we got the real, we're closer to Jesus, though we don't see him, uh, than Mary, his apostles, you know, is as close as we want to get. Mm. And he's there for us. So, yeah. I mean, love, that's according to St. Jose Maria, and I'm sure the other saints as well, that this manifestation of love can't get, get better than that. 
where yeah. you know, he is so accessible. Yeah. Anyway. What a gift. I mean, I just what a gift. <laughs> That's all I can think of. And, uh, I mean, obviously the church's devotion to Christ in the Holy Eucharist has been, uh, has obviously a very long history and, and uh, has yes. manifested itself in a number of different ways um, for 2,000 years, over the course of 2,000 years. And we've, we've talked about the Eucharistic miracles and Blessed Carlo Acutis and some of his Eucharistic miracles that he assembled for us and um, mm-hmm. just many ways that we, we, we are... Our, our faith is given a little bit of a boost, I suppose, in some of those ways and saying, and and yet he still draws us further in. I guess that's that would be my next question is that there's, I mean, I guess it's obvious, but there's never an end to how much deeper our devotion to the Eucharist can grow, is there? There's no end. I mean, there's a, there's a limit to how fast we could run or how good our tennis game is or how much we could uh, <laughs> learn. But, but we have one gift that we're all the same boat that has no limit, and that's our capacity to love. Yeah. So basically, the saints teach, you know, it may perhaps not dogmatic teaching, that you will receive grace according to how much you want it. That's St. Augustine, according to your desire or according to your disposition. Some saints have said if you had perfect dispositions, one Eucharistic reception would turn you into a saint if you had that perfect disposition. Um, Just like, I don't know, maybe a poor analogy, when I I was chaplain for the Chicago Bears a number of years ago, I know I have a lot of Packer fans out there too. Uh, I apologize. (laughs) Yeah, be careful Uh, here, Father. I know that. Uh, uh, I do have a soft spot for the Packers, believe it or not. I hope my Bears bear friends don't get upset because I'm from New Jersey and we have a... Uh, an exit on the Garden State Parkway is a Vince Lombardi. And when he went to the Packers, all New York types were kind of Packer fans because Vince Lombardi was there. You know, he was going going into the hinterlands I mean, in comparison to Manhattan uh, and the Bronx. But anyway, the I, I remember having lunch with a, a player. You know, mm. uh, he was a line, he was a defensive lineman, and you know he was he ate about ten times more than I did. And then for dessert. <laughs> Uh, he he had a blender. They had blenders there, and he put some fruit and ice cream and stuff. And then he had a goo, you know, uh, and he put that in there. Hmm. And I told the kid, I said, hey, you're kind of ruining your uh, milkshake or your smoothie or whatever you want to call it. And he said, well, I need this. Uh, I said, uh, can I have some? He said, no, 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 no. Unless I said, why not? I was just kind of playing, you know, yeah. needling him a bit. Yeah. And he said, because I am going to work out, I'm going to do wind sprints, I'm going to do a lot of weightlifting, and this is protein. Mm. And you've got to, I've got to use it and uh, be receptive to it for it to have a positive effect. And since I was not going to do that, you know, I'm, I wasn't supposed to have any, nor, the, mm-hmm. nor did I want it. And I would say, sorry, again, sorry for the kind of cheap example, but. I think the, the Eucharist works the same way, that the Lord wants us to be holy, wants us to be lights of the world, salt of the earth, and uh, without making rash judgments on people who receive the Eucharist, let's you know begin with ourselves. Well, why, with all that Eucharistic piety or devotion, well, mm. why aren't, is there greater inroads in evangelization? I don't know the answer to that. I, don't, I think we have to be very careful with those kind of questions. I think if we're trying our best, we should be convinced that we're doing a lot of good or God is doing a lot of good through us. But at the same time, 
that we will receive that grace according to dispositions. I think Augustine gives a much better example than the player example. He said, he's the one who says that automatically when you receive the Eucharist, you receive the Eucharist. You know, when you're at Mass, that's really Mass. If the priest says those words, whether he's good or bad, that that's the Mass. But he says in terms of you receiving the benefits from the Eucharist, just imagine uh, you're at a beach, you're at a, uh, on a shore, and you have a thimble, and you collect water. All right, you'll have a thimble full of water if you have a thimble. If you have a glass, you'll get a glass. If you have a bucket, you have a bucket. If you have a barrel, you get a barrel. If you have a tank, you get a tank. The water stays the same. It's your receptivity that improves. So when we go to the Eucharist, we want to try to avoid routine and see how, well, how can I make it more the center of my life? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and and let's not, I think it's very important because people get a little discouraged I don't feel holy. I don't feel changed. Listen, if you're there and you're searching for the Lord and you're really struggling to be better or to live the gospel, you're receiving a lot. Just, you know, make an act of faith. Yeah, Um, yeah, right. Father Peter Arminio is our spiritual director today. We're talking about Eucharist and devotion to the Eucharist. Are you devoted to the Eucharist? Do you receive the Eucharist frequently? Do you make regular visits to the Blessed Sacrament? Do you make holy hours regularly? Maybe there was a time when you came to appreciate the Eucharist, especially, and you grew in kind of a very short order in your devotion to the Eucharist. What was it that brought you this appreciation? Give us a call. Join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. 888-914-9149 is our studio line, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, it's 888-914-9149, or our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. And Father, with your with your previous uh, statements there, you were already getting at my next question, which is, well, we find ourselves in the midst of a Eucharistic revival. We've got a Eucharistic Congress coming up this summer. Um, and I was going to ask you, why is that so important? But already you're talking about expanding our receptivity for the Eucharist. And also, just yes. like the uh, football analogy that you gave, right, is that there's also, we are given the Eucharist, we are nourished by the Eucharist in order to, in order to become... Christ sent ones, right, to be to take that Absolutely. life and life and love out into the world today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's kind of interesting uh, in the Eucharistic discourse, it's the longest one, um, Jesus says, and I, now I don't have to make, I'm old enough and experienced enough not to have to make that big of an act of faith. Um, I'm just uh, piggybacking on so many holy people. Right. Um, where the Lord says that, you know, he who believes in me, Believe is not just an intellectual endeavor. Matter of fact, that's the least of the act of faith is living it. Uh, and it's, it's charity that imbues and inspires faith. He who believes in me shall no, never hunger. He who searches for me shall never thirst, um, more or less. And then he says, this is the bread that is, so I, I need this for my own fulfillment, my own strength, my own perseverance and fidelity. So that So that's a personal effect it has. But then twice, he says, I am the bread that has come down from heaven to give life to the world. What does that exactly mean? All right. Mm. The obvious is, well, it's always better to have the tabern- a tabernacle with our Lord than not. Obvious. Okay. Easy. But I don't think he means that. You know, there was no tabernacles in those days, and there wouldn't be any tabernacles for almost a thousand years, I think. Um the person who receives the Eucharist with faith and devotion. Faith doesn't mean just academic acceptance of the true presence. Faith means trying to be holy. 
I mean, faith, I'm just uh, you, paraphrasing in a clumsy way teachings of St. John Paul and, and Pope Benedict, and you know, by implication, Pope Francis as well, that faith is not just an academic agreement. That's the least of the act of faith. It's accepting everything the Lord says and trying to put into practice. Yeah. And so that's there's a lot of uh, uh, impact, there's a lot of depth in he who receives brings life to the world because the, the, the holy person becomes a light of the world. Mm-hmm. And because he is reflecting the light of Christ and the love of Christ, he or she is allowing Christ to transform others through that disciple, yeah. you know, bolstered by the Eucharist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that's starting us down the road, and I definitely want to pick this up on the other side of our break here, but uh, starting us down the road of why this uh, upcoming National Eucharist Congress is not simply for those who, you know, who, well, the pre-research study and everything that said that they don't believe in the real presence. It's not just for people who are doubting the real presence. In fact, all the more so, it's to revive us in our devotion, to deepen our devotion and uh, what we do when we're nourished by the Eucharist. So that's what we'll continue the conversation with on the other side of the break. Our spiritual director today is Father Peter Arminio. If you have questions about the Holy Eucharist, about how to increase your devotion to it, or if you have a story to tell about some time that happened in your life that drew you closer to our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address, if you prefer, is innerlife@relevantradio.com. More of the conversation with Father Peter Arminio coming up right after this short break. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arate program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley. Our spiritual director today is Father Peter Arminio, and we're talking about the most holy Eucharist. If you have experiences of the Eucharist, perhaps in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, or perhaps in Eucharistic Adoration, maybe there's one particular chapel that you visited that would, um, really helped focus you in and deepen your devotion to the Eucharist. Give us a call. Let us know what that is. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, continuing on in this idea of, I mean, uh, this is the Eucharist, as I said earlier, was, you know, obviously there's a long history of devotion to our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Um, and that is taking place and has been expressed in numerous ways, um, and, you know, not least of which is our upcoming National Eucharistic Congress. But... Um, the saints of old. I mean, we have we have histories of saints having all sorts of Eucharistic devotion too, don't we? We do. I remember going through uh, some old papers and uh, books that I wanted to discard. You know, someone gets a religious book, looks boring, doesn't know what to do with it, so they dump it in my office. So anyway, I was going through that. There was a number of years ago, and there was a you know very simple. Uh, book on the lives of the saints for, I would say, 10-year-old kids, you know, pictures and easy writing. Anyway, it sparked my curiosity, so I leafed through the whole thing. Sure. And I noticed 
a pattern, you know, I don't know, just a, from the 15th century mm. to the present, every saint was devoted to the Eucharist mm. and truth be told in the Blessed Mother. Uh, very diverse. I'm thinking about uh, uh, Martin de Porres, who took care of the uh, slaves who were coming from Africa to Colombia. Spent time, many, spent hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, the St. Catherine Siena, who had a powerful influence on the church and the history of the church. Um, the Eucharist was front and center of her life. Uh, this modern saint, or blessed, uh, I hope he's canonized, uh, Carlo Acutis, you know, mm -hmm. a computer whiz, a regular yeah. kid, a high school kid, parents agnostics, on and on. And he's literally influencing the world, you know, by his, and what's behind it. Well, the Holy Eucharist. And I noted, I remember a caption, maybe you saw it as well, Patrick. Um, the, there's a caption with, you know, a younger image or photo of St. John Paul. And underneath the caption, there's a large host hmm. uh, or maybe even a monstrance. And then underneath the monstrance, there is a caption. A quotation from John Paul, this little wafer can change the entire world. Hmm. And seeing that uh, makes an impact, at least on me, because I was a seminarian when he was a young pope. And I experienced it because he dealt with a lot of young people. I was a young person then. And he would draw hundreds of thousands. And on World Youth Day, he'd draw millions. Mm -hmm. And so when he says that, I mean, again, you don't have to make an act of faith because, you know, I don't know, modern co communication technology uh, obviously contributes significantly, but, you know, that's very secondary. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that Eucharistic devotion. And I remember living in Rome when he first, you know, in the first years, um, some people were more uh, attuned to what was going on than others. And I had an American friend in the North American College. And he said, um, hey, you know, they couldn't find the Holy Father uh, last uh, two, last week. Um, as it was out, you know, out to dinner. No, no, no. They won't let him out. Well, they couldn't <laughs> find him in his room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, and uh, <laughs> he said it was 1.30 in the morning. Ooh. And they were looking all over the place. And they said, well, where, where can he be? He should be, you know, in his room or in bed, you know. And they saw a light, you know, underneath the, the door of the chapel. So they opened it up, and he's prostrate on the floor huh. in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Mm. And he's kind of pulling an all-nighter. Mm. And I don't know how often he did this, but then when he was in Germany a number of years later to canonize St. You know, Edith Stein, who's now St. Teresa Benedict of the Holy Cross, mm -hmm. you know, these good German nuns wanted the cathedral in Cologne or... Uh, to be, you know, squeaky clean, and they were vacuuming, and they wanted to vacuum, I don't know, let's just say, you know, simplicity's sake, you know, 8.30 in the evening. But there he was, kneeling down. So they come later, you know, at around 11.30 p.m., mm -hmm. and he's in the sanctuary prostrate for the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. I'm not saying we should do that, you know, without, you know, if we don't have a mystical, preternatural grace, you know, let's do the ordinary. The ordinary is extraordinary enough, but that was his deal. 
<laughs> I like and that. I and, and lastly with him, uh, I was in 1993. I was a World Youth Day director in Denver, mm. and he lived in the Cathedral Rectory, and so I got a chance to get to know. I wasn't living there, but the you know the business manager there. Mm. So after World Youth Day was over, I said, "Well, listen, you know, share some of your." conversations you had with uh, the Pope. And he said, I don't mean to disappoint you, but I didn't have many. Um, I go, come on, you were there. Yeah. He said, when he was finished with his speeches or his homilies or addresses, he would be in the, you know, the, the rectory chapel hmm. or he would be in the church. And he said, being in the church was a pain because you had to call security. But virtually... He was praying the whole time, and after spending hours in prayer, went to bed. Wow. Uh, huh. So I'm not saying, okay, when you start dealing, when you start addressing hundreds of millions of people, uh, something's <laughs> going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, something there. That's, that's Yeah, definitely true. But you know what? It, it, it stirs in my, my thoughts I, in, that I, I, it has been said that St. Thomas Aquinas himself, that uh, sometimes he would kind of steal into the chapel, and he would go to the tabernacle. He'd rest his head against he the would. tabernacle. Yeah. He would. Which, that, that too, just kind of, wow. So, I mean, what a what a fantastic opportunity. I mean, it's interesting to me, too. You're talking about St. John Paul II drawing thousands, millions of, of people to see him, and yes. yet he gives it all over to the Lord. The, you know, glory yes. where glory is due, right? Glory of the Lord. Right. And, yeah. and you yeah. know, with our American mentality, you'd figure, hey, listen, you're the busiest man in the world. Hmm. What are you doing spending hours like that? Yeah. Well, it worked. Yeah, we're well. Americans are pretty practical. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, pragmatically speaking, if nothing else, and that's it's good. Well, you know. uh, if if uh, again to our listeners, if you have an experience of the Blessed Eucharist that has been uh, really life changing in your life, or maybe it's just a regular devotion that has grown over the course of years, we'd love to hear from you too. Give us a call at triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to the phones. Sheila is calling in from Delaware. Good good afternoon to you, Sheila. Welcome. Hi, hi, Sheila. How you doing? Thank you. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to tell you that last year I was traveling in Dublin visiting some family and decided mm -hmm. to take off on my own. And I was around the city for about two and a half, three hours, very tired, couldn't find a park bench. Walked around the, uh, along the Liffey, which is right off the main drag, and stopped and prayed, Lord, I, I just need to sit down. I looked up. I was in front of the Blessed Sacrament Chapel of the Fathers of the Blessed Sacrament, where there was perpetual adoration, I was able to go in and rest with the Lord for a good nice. long hour. And it was a magnificent chapel with um, a statue of our Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, Peter, Julian, M. Yard, and of course, the Blessed Sacrament. And I normally have an hour of adoration, which I had missed that week. So the Lord answered nice. my prayers. Mm. Excellent. Well, yeah. thank you, Sheila. Yeah, Thank excellent you very testimony. Much for sharing. Right? Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you just all these, all these, uh, all these little opportunities that are always all around us, you know. And uh, one of the things I really am grateful for is that uh, Catholic churches. It's more often, at least uh, during during uh, daylight hours, anyway. It's more often you find them open than locked, and so 
There's always the opportunity and the invitation to go in and spend some time with our Eucharistic Lord. We are talking today about the Eucharist here on The Inner Life. If you have uh, some stories to share about your your devotion to the Eucharist or how Jesus has met you in and through the Blessed Sacrament, please do give us a call, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, I, I mean... One of the things you started talking about this before, but um, one of the things I think we can get into, and I mean, is that we just we just lose sight of the the tremendous gift that Jesus has given us in the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe it does become a little routine. Um, dare I say it that even if we're in the habit of going to daily mass, sometimes it can make it seem like routine. Yeah, this is part of my routine. So, what do we do? Well, how do we maintain and grow in our devotion for the Eucharist when it becomes routine? Well, there's um, one, I'm going to state the obvious. We tell the Lord ourselves, the last thing I want is to make this a routine. Yeah. I'm here, you, you, you tell him, I want to be centered on you. I want to keep growing in my faith, trust, especially love for you. So we, we tell him, you know, up for, you know, straight up. And what he wants from us, you know, and we... It, if poor Mother Teresa was wondering, was she getting anywhere in her spiritual life? Mm-hmm. It may happen also that we start to have a little bit of doubts. You know, is this, am I progressing? Uh, the progress I need to look at, and, and with a lot of trust in the Lord, is am I trying to put my heart into it? Mm. And I recommend... Uh, Someone, I got this from another priest. As a matter of fact, uh, he's spoken on in her life, um, Father Eric Nielsen. You know, hmm. mm-hmm. I don't think he'll mind me quoting him about the Eucharist. <laughs> and you know, we we were talking on the we were conferring about that question. You know, how do we avoid routine? How do we help people not to go to mass in a routine way? And what he was saying, you know, that. We should try to encourage people to do mental prayer before Mass. Yeah. Uh, mental prayer, there's a lot of terms for that. It could be quiet time with Jesus and silence before the Blessed Sacrament, uh, meditating on the readings of the day, or using some spiritual book to keep the conversation going, or just chilling out. The important thing is you're going to hang around with the Lord, and you're going to try to speak to the Lord uh, with words, with uh, with your desire to be close to him, whatever it is. That's very personal. Mm-hmm. And he said that is what could really help you be better disposed because now, you know, because the Mass is, the Mass is, yes, it's a summit, but there's a, those are rote prayers. And basically meditation helps us to go deeper into those very rich prayers of the Mass that have been worked on by the Holy Spirit for uh, millennia. So that could be, you know, there's no there's no methodology or trick. I mean, the trick is I want to put my heart into it. Yeah. And basically spending getting there early because I, you know, you, you know, we're human and listen, if people go to mass, I think it's great. But, you know, saying mass, I you know, you see people, you know, running in late, huffing and puffing, missing part of it. Um and Maybe probably all, most of them, you know, there may be the young parents, young moms, and they're just doing the best they can. God bless them, you know, don't worry about it. But if you're running in because, well, it's a routine, you don't want to miss it, you know, this is part of your schedule, and, you know, you're just getting it in and checking the box, it doesn't work as well. I mean, it's something. Don't, don't please, you know, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
Right. But there, it's so much, you know, getting there five minutes early rather than five minutes late is could be almost a game changer because now you're more recollected. You've shown, you've demonstrated that, listen, I, I take this seriously. And if you spend time in prayer, I mean, this is my own little rule, uh, if, if, if the schedule permits, because a lot of families, it doesn't, and not a problem. You know? mm-hmm. But the ideal, I would say, is spend time with Jesus, talking to him first before anything else, before the tabernacle, and before the mass. Those mm. three laws of befores. Yeah. That's, you know, if you could do some of that, I think the Eucharist becomes much more uh, of a center in your life and much more personal and intimate. I like um, it, Father. I like the three befores. That's very good. One of the ways I know of that uh, would keep it from being routine is this upcoming National Eucharistic Congress that we've been talking about. And we have a special guest on the program today joining us in studio is Preston Alex, our Chief Financial Officer here for Relevant Radio. Preston, welcome. Good to be speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I I can't wait to tell people more about the Congress. And, I know. And, oh, and what right, else? We can't happening. wait to hear it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, um, Father Peter Arminio is our spiritual director today. Yeah. We've been talking about the Eucharist. And, uh, well... This National Eucharistic Congress, I know I've been touting it to all my friends and relations. You know, sure, this man. is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Why would you say, Preston, that someone should attend? So just like what I was just hearing, uh, it's so important to be there to receive that sacramental grace, to be there to pray before the Lord, to be there to be a part of this incredible movement that's happening in the Catholic Church of Revival for the Eucharist. So many polls have been saying the Catholics are losing trust in the real presence. And so this is going to be a way that the church will revitalize our belief in the truth's presence, bringing us back to our source and summit and and teaching us some of the great lessons you've already heard today on today's show. But it's going to be amplified where there's going to be some of the greatest speakers and theologians there to teach about the Eucharist, to empower you to go out and, and evangelize and most importantly, be able to to participate in the sacramental graces that will be available there. You know, God said, when two or three or more are gathered together, there I will be, and this will have 80,000 people. Imagine being yeah. in a stadium full yeah. of thousands of people praising God, being present in front of adoration, and being together at Mass, and showing the culture that the, the Catholic Church still matters today. You know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to is that, uh, well, St. Augustine said, when we receive the Holy Eucharist, you know, you you become what you receive, and you become the body of Christ, right? And I am I know that in my parish church, you know, I do get a, 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 I get a sense of that, certainly. There's a number of different individuals there, and, and through our, our corporate receiving of communion, we're being made into his body. But like you were just saying, Preston, 80,000 people, that's a, that's a, that's a, uh, an experience of the body of Christ that is not not frequently yeah. on on order, right? I mean, yeah. we, we don't get to have that. Yeah, but that's only going to happen if if everybody shows up. You know, it's well, not true. enough for you and I to talk about this. Everybody listening right now, we need you to come to Indianapolis. We need to show a force of strength in the Catholic Church that the Eucharist matters to us, that our faith matters to us, and that we can get fired up and the Holy Spirit can just come to each of us. So, you know, Roland Radio is here to help you get to the Indianapolis. We, yeah. we do have discounted admission tickets and, and travel packages available for anybody that wants to go. All you have to do is go to our relevantradio.com homepage. It's right there, front banner, the Relevant Radio app. Or you right now we actually have operators standing by that can answer questions about, about travel there. Um, the phone number for that is 844 
9559-844-400-9559. Again, that's 844-400-9559. That's just to help you get connected to somebody that can help you figure out how to how to make this a reality. Yeah, very good. And, you know, one of the questions that I think frequently comes up is, well, it's five days. That's that's a significant amount. Of time. I mean, it's it's definitely worth it for our Lord. Right. But the, there are demands of real life, too. What what if somebody can't make it the whole five days? Preston? Well, so there are options for like the weekend or, or a particular day. But it's important to realize that the the people running this Congress have put a lot of thought into this. They, they've they b- built a different theme for each day, and each theme builds on the previous day's content. So yeah. in, in order to really get the full experience and really understand the breadth of, of our faith and, and, and truly encounter everything that you can encounter there, it's best to go for the whole week. But if, if you can only go for a day or two, you're still going to get phenomenal content. Some of the greatest speakers in the church today are going to be there, including Patrick Madrid, Drew Mariani, Father Rocky. They're all going to be there. Patrick Connolly, I believe you're going to be there too. Yes, I am. Yep, absolutely. What are, what are you looking forward to the most? Oh, man. I Well, I'm looking forward to uh, revival. I mean, that's what we've been talking about yeah. all along. And this kind of an event is is one of those. Well, we just had we just had the gospel lesson of the Transfiguration, didn't we, in Sunday? on Sunday. Yeah. This is kind of one of those events for me. It's a mountaintop experience that, and, and as I said, I said it before, I'll say it again, once in a lifetime. I mean, that's, that's just right. it. If you, if you pass this up, um, it's likely not going to roll. Unless you're, I think what it is 80 years since our last one. So that's unless you're maybe under, under 10 mm-hmm. years old, then you're probably not going to have this opportunity again yeah, in your it's, lifetime. It's, it's a once in a lifetime experience. People won't want to miss it. And something I wanted to share is, uh, yeah. The, there are breakout sessions there. Relevant Radio has one on Friday for two hours, like where you'll be actually able to see Patrick and Drew live. There's something about that live experience. But it's important to note that you need to get your tickets now because they're requiring everybody to sign up for the breakout sessions. And once they're full, they're full. You know, yeah. there are some breakout uh-huh. sessions. If you're, there's a particular speaker you want to see and, and a session you want to learn from, you need to sign up today to make sure you get, get in the, the list. Um, so that's, that's something I just wanted to share that, that, that just cause the Congress isn't happening for a ways down the road in order for you to secure your spot, you need to register as soon as possible. You can do that by going to relevantradio.com slash travel, or just the homepage, click on the banner or the relevant radio app. Or again, I have a phone number. If you, if you want to call and ask questions, that's 844-400-9559. We're here to help you. Yeah, amen. Well, Preston, it's been great to talk to you. I am, I am getting. I think with each passing day, I'm getting more excited about this because it's kind of one of those things we talked about. It it was a long way off, but it's becoming, it's getting closer and closer, you know. Yeah. And so, five months away, less yeah. than five months away now, and it's, uh, it's getting really, really close. And so, I think the bishops are excited too. I um, think so. so yeah. I, I was on a webinar a couple of weeks ago that we had 50 bishops there on the oh. webinar, on the same Zoom call, all fired up <laughs> about this Congress. I mean, they literally were talking about tactics and, and logistics and, and all the awesome things that are going to happen there. So the, I think the bishops themselves are going to be revitalized for this. Yeah, I do too. It's going to be quite the experience. Relevant Radio is looking forward to being there. Hope you can join us too. Let's all show up for Jesus together. Yeah.
Preston, thank you so much for joining us here from the Inner Life just for a couple minutes to talk about the National Eucharistic Congress. We are talking about the Eucharist today here on the show. If you have stories about your own devotion to the Eucharist, maybe what you're looking forward to about the National Eucharistic Congress, give us a call. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And that number from Preston, again, just in case you missed it, if you have questions about how to make it to the Eucharistic Congress, Give us a call at 844-400-9559, 844-400-9559. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arate program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer. Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls today. And just in case you missed it, had a great conversation with Preston Alex, our chief financial officer, about the National Eucharistic Congress coming up this summer, July 17th through 21st in Indianapolis. Hopefully you can join us there. Let's all show up for Jesus together. If you have questions about how to get there, we have done some of the legwork for you. So all you need to do is go to relevantradio.com slash travel and check out the travel packages put together for us from Nativity Pilgrimage. And actually today, too, you can give us a call and we'll help you figure out how to get there at 844-400-9559. Talking today with our spiritual director, Father Peter Arminio, about the Eucharist and uh, talking about how the Eucharist has played a role in our lives. If you'd like to join the conversation, give us a call at 888 Let's go now to Ray calling in from Tampa. Ray, welcome to The Inner Life. Well, thank you, and uh, I, I'm glad to hear your voice as I've always listened to you. Um, thank you. I was uh, uh, during the 70s, during the charismatic renewal, and it was my birthday, too, as a matter of fact, at that time. And uh, it was in the middle of Mass, and all of a sudden, uh, I had a stomach ache like it was like never experienced. I thought I had appendicitis or something. I was alarmed. I, I mean, it was so sharp. Uh, I mean, I came close to saying, hey, take me to the hospital. But then all of a sudden, it was like, I'd say maybe about a minute before communion. And I, and all of a sudden, I just said, you know what? Jesus is the healer. And I got and I received communion. hardly could walk up here. All of a sudden, the minute the communion hit my tongue, I was thoroughly healed. It was so it was gone. I was so elated. People were wondering what, what was going on with me. And I said, you just don't know what happened. <laughs> so, it, yes. So, yes, Jesus can heal in an instant through his, uh, the Holy Eucharist. Excellent. That's very encouraging to hear. Hmm. And he can especially heal the needs of our soul. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking, too, is that there is um, it's a healing balm that, that is like none other, right? It's Christ himself given to us in the Holy Absolutely. Eucharist. Wow. Well, what about that, Father? What about, thank you, Ray, for the phone call. Thank you for the testimony. Uh, God bless you, and hopefully you are continuing on that devotion to the Eucharist, and thank you for your your faith in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. What about that, Father, though? What if someone is doubting? Because it's it's not 
uncommon that people do have doubts about the the reality of the real presence of the Eucharist. How can we help them? How can we talk to them? Well, I think sometimes we have to distinguish between not comprehending and actually doubting. Okay. Um, We all need more faith in the Eucharist. It's not a question. Um, Maybe I could tell a quick anecdote of Mahatma Gandhi that he was conferring with a number of Catholics, a few Catholics, and he said, listen, you know, I've used a lot of the teachings of the gospel, you know, regarding peace, regarding uh, the dignity of the person. And he said, well, I'm not a Christian, but I do respect the, the teachings of Jesus. And he said, but I, yeah, I, just don't, I don't understand you Catholics, he said. Huh. He, said if, if, he said, if I actually believed what you guys believed, uh, he, I said, I'd be crawling on my belly every day to church. Yeah. And he was referring to the Eucharist. And my answer to Mahatma Gandhi maybe sounds a little bit lame. Well, we do believe, but we could believe a lot more. And and belief, I think what, ha- what helps us to believe is that we don't try to rack our brain to say, don't doubt, don't doubt, you know, figure it out. We can't figure it out. I could love the Eucharist more and choose not to doubt. I mean, doubt is, one thing is I don't understand it, I don't get it, boy, it's hard, hard to believe that, you know, the creator of the universe is in that host. I wouldn't go there. I would say, okay, I'm going to just try to be devout. I'm going to try to spend time praying. I'm going to show my desire for faith by my uh, heart in the Eucharist, even though I don't com- comprehend it. No one does. I mean, you get, you get more lights, you get more enlightened. Uh, some of the saints, some, I think, you know, I remember St. Jose Maria, who had a lot of devotion to the Eucharist. He was making an act of faith at, at, you know, after the consecration. He says, I believe that you're here more than if you would actually be here in the flesh, you know? So, these are these are graces. Faith is not something that we could just force ourselves to acquire. Faith, the Lord gives us more faith as we show him that we want more faith. Hmm. But let's not say that we're doubting when we're really not, you know, because sometimes we go, I don't get it. Boy, this is, you know, it's not easy to believe this. I, you know, I've tried to. That's different than I have decided not to believe. Yeah. Okay. That's different. That's, different. That's yeah. It's it's a good clarification there, Father, and I and I like that, and especially like that. Yes, the Lord does, he does respond to our our requests for more faith, right? He does. He does. He certainly does. That. Yeah. Yeah. He certainly does. Yeah. Maybe it might not be at least in my experience, it might not be immediate, but but over no, the course no, of no, time. No, no, no. Of course not. No, no, no. And it takes faith to wait for more faith. You know, we have more than we realize. We have more. That person who feels that he or she is checking the boxes. Well, you're not exactly checking the boxes. You're not here. You're going to mass because you believe. You can believe a lot more. I know. You can love a lot more. You could, you know, avoid routine a lot more. But you do believe, mm-hmm. and the Lord is pleased with that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, Bob from Chicago has emailed into us, and he says, uh, I have limited mobility and don't drive, so it's hard to get to a chapel for Eucharistic adoration. So I access a perpetual adoration chapel on YouTube and adore our Lord right in my own home. He says, it's unspeakably beautiful to behold him in the sacrament and pouring out my heart to him in prayer. And he does say this, and I appreciate this. I know there's a lot of negatives with modern technology, but this is one positive I am deeply grateful for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Great witness. You and I, Father, and Bob would agree with this. I'm sure there's no substitute for being there in person with the Lord, right? But Amen. at the same time, Amen. at the same time, this is uh, this is a great alternative for those who just can't, who are prohibited. 
it's a great alternative, and, you know, the Lord is all-powerful. He's not going to withdraw his grace if you're homebound and you can't uh, go to the church because you're virtually in that church, and the yeah. Lord knows that. The other thing the other thing I would say is see if he could contact uh, his parish and have some minister of communion to give him communion yeah. uh, when they can, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, no, let's I'm, hope I'm, I'm edified. Yeah. yeah, let's hope that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well— well, Father, this has been a fantastic conversation uh, on the Eucharist. And, I mean, you know, so much more we could say, right? And and, uh, right. and now I'm going to go <laughs> go away thinking about how the Eucharist is like protein in a shake, thanks to your little... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would strike a chord. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's very good. I, I like that. I, I like it a lot. Well, Father, again, it's been a great speaking with you. It's great being as, with you, Patrick, and everybody else's. Yeah, as you know, we'd like to close the show with a blessing from you, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Uh, God, God Almighty Father, thank you for sending your Son, and thank you for having him become our uh, bread of nourishment, uh, our, our the, this bread of God. May we appreciate this more. Uh, may Almighty God bless everybody in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And just, yeah, let's not forget what Father was just saying, that... Uh, Jesus always responds to our requests for more faith. He always does that. Sometimes, yes, we do have to wait for it, but he always responds to that. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about small groups on this show. Maybe a small group has changed your life in some way. Well, get ready to join that conversation with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. Mass today is from the Cathedral of St. Paul in beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for joining us this time, and we'll see you next time. Until then, grace and peace. Grace and peace.